Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dr. Tom Miller. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Principal's Office podcast. In this episode, we are deep in our leadership book study of the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And I've asked my good friend and fellow principal, charter school principal, Ted Duncan from Brevard Academy, who's also Maxwell Leadership Certified, uh, to join me in our conversation about the law of empowerment and the law of the picture. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. I'm really excited. Tom Miller here. And uh, this is our last of our 11 session leadership uh, study on the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell, the number one leadership book uh, uh, selling of all time, the non-secular best-selling book of all time, right? Uh, John's a president of his company, Mark Cole, always says that you got, you got, you know, the number one book is the Bible. So you got God and then uh, John, he's uh, number two. And John will always say he's always number two. But um, I think this, uh, this last session is, I mean, just a culmination of, of all the other 19 laws we've talked about. Uh, these two, the law of explosive growth and the law of legacy, just really wrapped them up so well. And I'm really excited uh, to have uh, two of our former uh, co-hosts who are current Maxwell leadership uh, members with us, uh, Joanne Hall and Jennifer Killen, uh, who had great episodes with us. Uh, so if you haven't had a chance, go back into the podcast and listen uh, to those uh, to those uh, great uh, replays. Uh, Joanne and Jennifer, how are you both doing tonight? Doing great. I'm ready for Christmas break. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, we were talking about that. Of, well, Tom's semester or Tom's semester ends tomorrow. I have one more week, so I I got one more week to make it through. Yeah, and you were just actually giving some really great uh, news, though. So you, you you just had some celebrations you want to share because I because I'm just really. It just sounds like a really cool program that uh, you all have. Yeah, so we had a celebration today. Um, we run some short-term programs at our college for um, entry-level skills training for um, a job training academy. And I graduated 11 welders today who all are left our college today and are moving into employment on Monday. And that's always exciting news. What a great Christmas present that is, right? Um, so they've been with us since August. Um, and then we also found out we had some foundation donations for our incarcerated students. We deal with, with students who are incarcerated working on their college degrees. Um, and so some foundation dollars for them too. So it's a big day for us. So that was good. And tomorrow we have winter commencement. I love it. Yeah, I mean, and as we move into these two laws, right? I mean, 
law of legacy. I, I mean, we're all we're all educators on here. We only really invited educators onto this leadership study. And I was just sharing with uh, Joanne, um, uh, Jennifer, uh, I, I, you know, I asked some folks to, uh, you know, my book's coming out in a couple of weeks. And I asked some folks to give a testimonial and I did a word like a search of the word leader or uh, leadership. And in the book, it's four, it's 330 pages. The word leadership is 437 times, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And because I feel like, and especially John talks about this in the law of explosive growth, that, you know, he got really uh, frustrated with traveling around to other countries and all people ever wanted to talk about were uh, problems, right? Nobody wanted to talk about leadership, you know, right? And I was like, oh man, like, that's like my first decade in leadership was I did not know what leadership was. I didn't understand it. I wasn't doing it correctly because I was productive and I had some success, but I wasn't productive or successful through the talents of other people, which in the law of explosive growth, that's what John says. He says to add growth, lead followers, to multiply growth, lead leaders. And I was just you know, followers, right? It was, it's really all it was. So I'm really curious, you know, I can't wait to hear your insights and Carrie just hopped in too. So we're so excited to have you with us, Carrie. Um, what were some of your insights from, from the law of explosive growth, whether you, you know, watched the video that we have or you read in the book or, you know, uh, some of your workbook um, uh, uh, reflections. You want to go first, uh, Joanne? Sure. Well, I think you hit really well on it, Tom. Part of what I I think as I grew up as a leader as well, right? We all learned that managers, like we thought managers were leaders and we all thought we were doing a great job because that's how we were promoted and that's how we moved through places. Um, But I think the biggest takeaway from this chapter for me is really about the concept of finding people's strengths and not trying to fix people, right? And we hear John talk all about all the time about how we all have different God-given strengths. And, you know, we always are, you know, we always grew up trying to figure out why somebody wasn't doing something or why they should do it differently, um, rather than trying to figure out how to assemble a team and how to create leaders who can play to their strengths. And I, I don't know about you, Tom or Jennifer, but once I figured that out, um, the ability for my team to succeed and my my ability for us, you know, to really have greater significance to the students we serve and to our organization, mm-hmm. um, it just accelerated. And so I think that's really exactly what John's talking about in this chapter is we have to find ways to utilize everyone's strengths when we do that and stop making people feel like they're less than because they have something that they're not as good at. Um Otherwise, we just turn people into average, right? When we when we don't focus on their strengths and we focus on their weaknesses, we create a lot of average and we don't really allow our organizations to really reach their highest potential. Oh, yeah, and that's wonderful. And I just, I mean, just, you know, going back to your celebration about the program that you offer and you, you use the word broken, right? And I've heard John say, I don't know if it's his quote or not, but he'll talk about if you see someone as broken, you'll try to fix them. Right. And so, but what your program is actually doing is no, we don't see them as broken. We see them as, as humans who have value and a talent. And here's a program that we have built for them. Uh, 
to to help them, you know, take this next step uh, in their lives. So I just love that. Um, and that is, yeah, clearly um, a, you know, example of um, explosive growth. What about you, Jennifer? What are some of your initial insights and thoughts? Well, you know, I really want everybody in my school, whether it's staff, students, and even parents, I want everybody to be successful. You know, if there's anything I can do to help them, I want to do that. And, you know, as a teacher in the classroom, I knew for my students to learn everything I was supposed to teach them in math, that I had to teach every standard. I had to give them the opportunity to learn. And I've, I've just kind of transitioned that to working with adults. I don't work with students anymore, but I work with adults and I need to give them opportunities to grow. I don't want them just to be average like Joanne was mentioning in their job. I wanted to teach them how to work together, how to collaborate, how to lead. So I've I've worked with our registrars over the years. I'd get them together, teach them, you know, kind of how to work together and teach them some leadership things. And today, I, I'm going to be honest, I was kind of expecting this. One of our registrars resigned. And she, and I looked at her and shook her hand. I said, congratulations. She found a great job. Yeah. She's been with us for 10 years. Mm -hmm. This woman has grown and she's grown in leadership. And unfortunately, she's leaving me. But she's going to be able to take that, what she's learned, uh, onto another job and be successful there. And I told her, I said, hey, you know what? We're, we're always going to be friends. Anytime you need anything, you let me know. But it's been fun watching her grow, even though she's leaving me. <laughs> it is really what it's all about, right? It's about positioning individuals to be in a better place when they leave. And while they're there with you, they're adding, you know, so much value uh, and they're, you know, uh, uh, you know, creative. And, and that's what like, you know, John says, like, I just love this kind of, uh, he said, you know, you know, it's, it's, throughout the chapter, but he says, leaders who attract followers, uh, they love to feel needed versus leaders who develop leaders want to be succeeded. And I heard that in both of your, um, uh, you know, like uh, takeaways is that, you know, it's my job to equip and help other people, right? I don't need more people to just, you know, be in the way. And it's, it's just interesting how John, you know, the one part of the chapter, like he's saying, is like, well, the leaders who only track followers, like they're exhausted because everybody comes to them for everything because that's how you set it up versus, you know, leaders who lead leaders, right? They're they're only with those leaders. That's where they spend the bulk of their time. And we're always talking about in our inner circle about, hey, 80% of your day needs to be with your top 20% of uh, people. And it's, it's constantly growing, growing the adults in your building, like you had shared, uh, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. And then it says leaders who attract followers, they, you know, develop the bottom 20%, right? They're always just worried about the bottom 20, bottom 20. And that's how I was in my first, you know, mm -hmm. in my first years as a leader. Uh, they, they are always, they always talk about the weaknesses and they, they treat everybody the same versus leaders who uh, develop leaders are all about strengths and they treat individuals, you know, differently and they in, invest time in others. They don't just spend time and, and they grow by multiplication and they, their impact is way, way uh, past 
anybody that they'll ever you know talk to and that's that maxwell math right that's that uh which i just love that right it's 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 like hey no i might not even talk to half those people but i've grown you and you're going to grow someone else and that person's going to help that other person he's like, i don't i don't need to spend time with that person so it's just it's just a whole different way but i do believe that in our industry in education um we're not great at it <laughs> which is crazy because we develop so many mini leaders, right? I mean, we spend this time K-12 really pouring into kids and young uh, scholars. And then all of a sudden as adults though, we're like anti-learning, right? We're anti-development, you know, we're, we're, we're pro-certifications and titles, which is really funny. I was just in a meeting and you know, the guy is helping us do some work. He has like 11 um, you know, degrees up on his wall. And I was like, what? It's like, have you spent any time working, right? Your whole life is like in schools. <laughs> in and it's just, and when you talk to him, that's how he he, he talks. He talk, he's very intellectual, very high level. And I'm always like, man, I got 700 on my SATs. Keep, keep the cookies on the bottom shelf here. Uh, but, you know, but he's, you know, he's that prime example of what we in education at times really just say, hey, go get another certification, go get another degree. And, and we're not really taking the time, as you said, uh, Jennifer, like with your registrar, right? Or even your experience. You shared that in your podcast episode about how you 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 climbed the ladders by growing yourself and then learning how to grow other people and, you know, creating other success. Well, and just an add on to that story, because um, I have three registrars. Mm -hmm. So we are, I already knew like two weeks ago, I was walking through the high school thinking, well, you know, if the elementary registrar ever leaves this one here at the high school is ready she's ready to take on the lottery stuff and all that and so was, I mean within 30 minutes I was calling her I said hey I know you're ready to do this and um explained what was going on and she said yes I want it I want that I yeah. want that because it's really a little promotion for her and she's right. ready to go well and Jennifer don't you think too I mean as leaders in our organizations we have to constantly be looking for what that succession plan looks like. And I know, Tom, I'm starting to get into the next chapter, but I mean, mm -hmm. we're constantly looking for where that opportunity is and what strengths people can bring to the table so that yes. when something like that happens, right, and someone leaves and, you know, we always hear John say, whoever starts with you likely isn't going to be who ends with you, mm -hmm. right? And so now that registrar is going to take all of that information and the way in which you you helped lead her to her growth and multiply that somewhere else, wherever she goes. Right. She's going to be training people like how amazing yeah. is that? Right. Yep. She's going to be and training we, people at the hospital. <laughs> you know, and then we started thinking about the impact of of how that moves people through their career cycle. Um, yeah. And so whenever I think about this chapter, I think about when John says the whoever starts with you typically isn't who ends with you. And if we do it right, we are creating all kinds of explosion across our communities as people continue to grow and learn. But do you find, Jennifer, at least for me, I have way less stress. Like if like yes. I'm already planning two and three moves down the road of mm -hmm. who am I growing and who am I developing and who am I providing opportunities to so mm -hmm. that when something like that happens, I'm not really stressed out about it. I just go, oh, okay, that's great for you. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then how am I going to, how am I just going to move the piece? You know, I mean, how am I going to move the chessboard around again so that more people have opportunities? And I really started looking at anytime someone chooses another opportunity now my perspective on it is that 
that just created three more opportunities because I'm going to move one person who then gets to move another person. And mm -hmm. how many different people get to grow from that one change? Yeah, that's because you're playing chess. I know we've had so many teacher assistants grow into office positions and registrar positions. And, you know, since um, I've been there and it's really been fun to watch. Yeah, that's right. And so that that really goes back to, you know, I was talking about my book. That's one of the that's one of the indicators, right, that, you know, comes out is that you have this clear opportunity for professional growth. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, what most people don't realize is that the only way to move up is I have to go groom someone underneath me mm -hmm. because a leader, some, some leaders are hesitant about moving people because they're like, oh gosh, they're so good in that spot. But you have to make yourself like mm -hmm. accessible, right? You've got to grow the people underneath of you and valuable in a sense where you're, you know, developing other leaders, not valuable because you hoard everything in your job, but you know, again, a lot of people are guilty of that and it's, mm -hmm. it's an insecurity issue or, you know, whatever it is, uh, but they have a really hard time of letting go and using John's very easy uh, five-step process, right? That's in the law of empowerment. It's I do it and, you know, you watch me and then it's uh, we do it together and then it's you do it and I'm coaching you and then you do it alone that's multiplication. And then you go help someone else. That's multiplication, right? And, and so you're always saying to your high uh, capacity people, hey, look, I need you to start delegating things because I got a bigger project for you coming and I need mm -hmm. you. And sometimes we burden our, our, our solid people. We just dump everything on them without showing them, hey, these are only the two or three things you should be doing because this is in your strength zone and you're going to help us. And all these other tasks, I'll let these other people do it. Like, don't say yes to everything because I need you for bigger projects. And that's that's what John's talking about. You got to identify your top twenty percent, your uh, you know uh, capacity builders, mm -hmm. know their strengths, and pour into them and let them go. And you'd be amazed at 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 what at what they can accomplish. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, well, and I find too that I have yeah. to, we have to share with leaders, right? Our next level leaders, right? And we have to have conversations about that delegation and how important it is when they start moving some of those tasks, right? It, yeah. It's all about helping people learn and grow. And right, mm -hmm. if you want to move here, then this person has to come and backfill for you. And then, and how do we prepare everybody in the pipeline um, so that they're all getting some of those development opportunities all at the same time? Yeah. But and it's scary because that's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of learning going on all at the same time. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm finding myself uh, doing it often right now, uh, Joanne. Um, I'm, uh, you know, developing our, you know, finance director. And John says it in the video. He says, stop addressing problems, create problem solvers. And so when I find a problem and I'll point it out, I'll just kind of pause and I'll say, hey, this is a budget you know, development moment, right? Or this is a growing moment. Here's here's here here's how I found this, right? Or or here's what you need to be looking for. And I was really impressed the other day. They they brought me the weekly report and it was all set up and I didn't have to ask any questions. And she said, Well, I put it there because I knew you I knew you would ask me. And I was like, great, right? She's now she's starting to think 
ahead, right? What does Tom need so he doesn't bother me to go back and do it again, right? So, but that's what we're looking for is that, but now she's, you know, better in her role because she's seeing more before, you know, and that's mm -hmm. something I, I was never good at, you know, before. And so that just kind of gave me a little bit of tangible evidence. Okay. Like, I feel like I'm moving in a good direction here. So thanks. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Love it. Gotta love the nighttime custodial staff, right? They just they just never quit. They're just running around always. Uh, yeah. So I love that. Yeah. So law of explosive growth. So so such an important such an important law. Uh, so that's so that's the challenge, right? Is start to shift your focus mm -hmm. to the leaders in your organization. Now it's not leaders by title, everybody. Mm -hmm. It's not leaders by position. It's leaders by capacity, you know, people who are hungry for growth, you know, people who have been successful, people who have influence in your organization, right? You can go back to a couple of laws and um, uh, the law of the inner circle talks about the law um, of addition talks about it. Like there's a bunch of laws, law of solid ground, because you want that. Like these are the types of people you're looking for. And then, and then you're going to spend more time with them, like spend quality time with them, know what they value, know what they want to do three to five years from now and, and help them, prop them up to get into that role. So that's right. You know, one thing I learned this, you know, working with that 20% mm -hmm. every year, I've like brought more people into my weekly administrative meetings, you know, yes. now. I mean, this year, last year, I would bring in, you know, the technology guy and my EC coordinator, but now finance and EC are in there every Thursday just to start off. My communications coordinator, she's there um, and we get, I get updates from all of them. And then about every, uh, maybe once a month, my chief technology officer comes in. They all know where we meet, what time. And if there's anything I've missed or even forgot to ask about, you know, they'll they'll show up and and add to the meeting. So it's just become better and better uh, every year and more collaborative. Yeah, you just made me think about I mean, you know, I've 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 been fortunate enough to lead the board retreat for the last, I don't know, nine or whatever years. But that's that's grown like that. Now there's like assistant directors and there's other people. And and when you bring that's what John says, you know, you bring people into leadership situations and they're going to grow. Uh, they're going to learn more. They're going to have a better understanding of the organization. And now they can answer questions where they don't need to go to you because they're like, oh, no, I'm part of those bigger picture. those mm -hmm. uh, bigger picture conversations, um, a critical, critical point. Right. Yeah. Bring them in. Um, equip them, identify them, and spend time. And it's okay if they mess up because they're mm -hmm. going to mess up because yeah. you messed up. So it's okay. So get over it, everybody. And it's just right. you know, let them, don't take over for them. Just say, okay, hey, great try. All right. Next time, here's, you know, what are some things we could do differently? And just continue to um, coach them through that process. I love it. All right. Yeah. So I had a great example of that even just today. We, we were working on our completion, this completion ceremony I was telling you about, and we have someone who likes to sit in the background, but she's got just a significant amount of leadership potential. And 
So there was one piece that I was like, you know what? This really is your strength. You did everything with this. Rather than me talk about this, why don't you come up in front and talk about this? And she just looked at me and said, but if I mess up or like I start to flounder, will you bail me out? And I said, absolutely. I would never let you fail. She was wonderful. Like, right. And so confidence builder and her ability to share and do do new things. And she was fantastic. But sometimes I think we like, I loved the Ryan Leak piece from Live to Lead, right? I mean, we got all chase failure sometimes, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But as a good leader, being able to help people through that and see that, hey, it was a good effort. Good try. Yeah. You know? Nah, that's great. And there's this, there's this quote. If you've got the book, everybody, it's on page 268. Uh, he says, any industry that pays equal rewards to its goof-offs and its eager beavers sooner or later will find itself with more goof-offs than eager beavers. And that's so true. Like, if you think <laughs> training and equipping people is expensive, just wait till you get the bill for incompetence, right? I mean, it's significant. And, you know, you know, folks say, oh, I don't want to invest a lot of money in people because then they leave. I'm like, well, if you don't train them, they're going to leave anyway. And the only people you have left are the unprepared. So just do it. And I know, uh, you know, uh, Jennifer, when she builds out her annual budget, uh, there's a there's a significant amount of money for professional development for her hundred you know plus employees, but it's very very important uh, there at at uh, Piedmont. So, mm -hmm. uh, good. All right, so everybody hit the pause button on your podcast and write down your action step right now. So unless you're driving, just keep on driving and do good. All right, let's let's roll to the law of legacy. And I just, every time I read this uh, chapter, uh, this law, and I hear John talk about legacy, I just get, um, you know, 47 now. And I just like really, really think about like every single second matters, right? Everything matters. Every time you're with your kids matter. You know, my two kids are 10 and 15 now. And, um, you know, I mean, they won't be there every single day. And just, I'm just spending a lot of time in, in just really, uh, working to be, to just cherish every moment because every moment matters, right? So when John says there's three pictures of legacy, a clock, a compass, and companions. And I just really, that's the first time that I, I mean, I've read this book so many times, but that's the first time those three words really resonated with me. You know, the clock being present, the uh, compass, like, you know, what's my direction? Where am I going? How do I want to spend my time? And then the uh, companions, like, yeah, I mean, the older you get, the number of people you spend your time with, you know, shrinks because, you know, you don't have a lot of time and say, I don't, I don't want to spend time with you because you don't, you know, we don't value the same things, right? Or it's a waste of my time or whatever it is. And, and so this law, I mean, especially when John starts talking about the number one factor of the term, of the determination of who comes to your uh, funeral is the weather. Right, you know, weather and maybe what what you know food is being offered, and and I laugh because every Christmas Eve we watch um, um, uh, Mamister Sims's uh, version of uh, Christmas Carol, and and so when he dies, there's the two guys and they're saying, "Hey, are you going to go to his funeral?" And he goes, "I don't know. It all depends what lunch they're serving." And I'm like, "Oh my God, could you imagine if that's what you're like? That's that's how like people are determining whether they're going to go to your funeral." what's actually uh and that's why i'm just getting cremated and so that i won't even have to worry about it anyway but um so yeah so let's let's talk about legacy we we leave it in so many human beings as educators we're constantly engaging with human beings 
And we all have that a teacher that really sparked something in us that we remember forever. And we all have the teacher that we remember forever that killed our candle, you know, that just kind of maybe put us out or we didn't have that, right? So I always talk to teachers, like, how do you want to be remembered? You know, it's such a, such an important piece, but you, you know, you two are great educators. So let's see, let's uh, talk about this. Jennifer, you go first with your law of legacy. I know this is one of your favorite laws. Well, I want everybody to know, and I think everybody in my organization knows that I value them and that they are appreciated and that we are constantly trying to find ways to make them better and to collaborate more. Um, they also know that their family comes first. You know, we had, I had an EC teacher come flying in the office. She's like, I'm sorry, I've got to interrupt you. My daughter just fell off a horse and she hit her head. And I said, get out of here. <laughs> you know, we'll figure it out. They know that yeah. we think their family comes first and they, they treasure that. They appreciate that so much. Um, you know, I, I used to not think about legacy much until I really went through the John Maxwell training and John was saying, I don't know how many times, you know, you're the legs mm. to my legacy. And, you know, and it's just about what he's an amazing leader, you know, and I want to add value and pour into people, you know, and I used to think thinking about legacy was kind of an arrogant thing, but now I get it. It's not, it's not about me. Right. <laughs> it's about the organization and how we've grown the organization and our values and our mission and being passionate about that. So um, you know, I've got about four years left. So everything I do every day is for sure <laughs> about my legacy and what I want to leave them with and and the processes and the uh, the way they handle things and, and you know, value and treat people. Um, I want that still there when I leave. Yeah. You have four years left in this phase, and then you got a whole nother journey after that that you're going to build. And I can't wait. That's right. Because that, you're going to add so much value. But yeah, I mean, you uh, said it, Jennifer, a leader's lasting value is measured by succession, right? I mean, it's just like John says, he's like, I'm constantly working myself out of jobs. He said, you know, it's my whole goal just to kind of walk around and, you know, check in on people, which I, which I like. Like now I get it because that's what I feel like as as an executive director. Yeah, I work hard at times, but most of the time I'm just walking around checking in on people, right? Hey, what are you working on? How can I help? Um, mm -hmm. You know, is there something I can get for you? You know, just casting vision, redirecting where you need, uh, you know, praise, 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 right? Grow. I mean, that's really what the what the job is. And boy, I wish I would have known that, you know, when I started in 2010, because I was that, you know, principal that ran around trying to put out every fire and man, I never hustle anymore, right? I mean, it's just like, hey, someone's, you know, someone's got that, right? It's because we have, you know, faith in the people that we surround ourselves with and we will always back them up. I'll always tell my staff, listen, if it's wrong, I'll take the blame and then we'll talk about it. If it's wrong a second time and you did the same thing, now that's a different conversation. We're gonna have a deeper conversation about why, how come you keep doing it this way? Uh, but yeah, but what kind of legacy do you wanna leave? 
Um, yeah, every single day, every connection with a person, every interaction with a person, you're you're leaving part of you in them. And you never know when the last time is that you're gonna see someone. So that's right. Yeah, go ahead, Joanne. Well, and I would agree with you, Jennifer. I used to think that, you know, that whole concept of legacy was all about me. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's one of the biggest pieces, maybe being part of the Maxwell organization and hearing that the legs to my legacy component, like we hear it all the time. And I think this chapter really just drives that home that it's about the impact we have on people and their ability to then impact other people, right? The whole Maxwell philosophy of we value people who add value, you know, and we want to add value to people who add value to people. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's really when, when I, when I look at this chapter, what I hadn't thought about before being part of the Maxwell organization was being so deliberate about it. Um, now, I don't know, Tom, I think I might have told you this when we talked the last time, but I had a brother in the military for 33 years, and I did not get the concept of legacy until I went to my brother's funeral. And listening to people talk about the impact he had on them in very small ways and in very large ways, and really understanding um, what the time after really meant to people and how it impacted them and it made me come back and say holy cow this whole concept of what would they say at your funeral i was like oh people would not say that about me at all and it made me really think i wish i had been part of maxwell back then because i'd have been reading this chapter um but it made me become much more deliberate about how i wanted people to talk about me when i wasn't in the room mm -hmm. and how how I was having significance rather than how I was the smartest person in the room. I would much rather people talk about me being the most caring person in the room and how I wanted to impact and help them. I was the most helpful person in the room, not the smartest person in the room. And I think as early managers, like we're building our reputation on being the smartest person in the room. And maybe it comes with age, maybe it comes with wisdom, uh, Jennifer, I'm only, I'm a year or two away. Um, I would love to be 47 again, Tom, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but, you know, days matter and you start to learn that words matter. And, you know, over the course of time, I think the longer we're in leadership roles, we figure out the less we know. And we have to rely on all of those people in our, in our sphere of influence to help us create a really strong organization. Um, but my, I think sometimes we all have to have that one really impactful person in our life. For me, I've had lots of people who have helped me along my leadership journey become far better than I ever thought I could be. And I know I have a long ways to go yet. Um, but I think the impact of my brother's funeral and, and listening to what people had to say about him um, really made me think. And so when we think about the people who have impacted us and when, you know, when we didn't just go to the funeral for the potato salad, right? I think John always jokes around about that as like, <laughs> you guys will all be sitting around talking about the potato salad. Right. But, um, you know, how do we do that? And, and this whole concept of being very deliberate about our legacy and wanting to really think about what that is. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that we all do that as often as we should. Um, and let that impact our interactions with people. Like at the end of the day, that self-reflection of 
Hmm. What would people have said about how I reacted today? And did I, you know, did I really help somebody become better today? Did I do that? Or did I, did I just make that more difficult for them? Yeah, no. Well said, uh, Joanne. I mean, yeah, I mean, too often leaders put their energy into organizations, right? And building systems and, you know, whatever, and just, just lifeless objects, you know, you know, trophies and awards, but it's really, it's, it's only people that, that, you know, live on after we're gone, right? It's what, it's what, it's what impact we made with them. It, it lives through your work. And that's when, you know, John's saying, Hey, all of you, you 40,000 Maxwell coaches, you're the legs to my legacy. And so, so the question really, you know, comes, it's like, like, what am I leaving behind? Right. Who's carrying on my, you know, legacy. So that's my, my daughter, hopefully, and my son, right? And maybe, you know, some, you know, people I was able to get, you know, uh, close to, whether it was through our, you know, uh, programs, right? Or or through my years as as a principal. And but you really need to think about, like, what changes do you need to make in your daily conduct and your thinking to change the legacy that you truly want to leave? And it was interesting. I was going back through when I first did this book study in 2014, uh, you know, John, you know, challenges you and the questions to write your legacy sentence. And I, I found mine and I wrote an authentic man whose heart grew around his family, led by example and lived to add value to others so they could see and reach their maximum potential. And I was like, okay, like, I feel pretty good. I wrote that nine uh, years ago and I feel like I have definitely made some some real impact uh, with that the sentence. And I was like, boy, why did this thing, why why has it been hiding for nine years? I mean, maybe it came out at the right time. I'm in some life, you know, transitions. I'm like, are you, are you sacrificing the right things? Are you spending the time with the right people? Are you treating people the right way? Because mm -hmm. that's what's always gone to be remembered is how you made people feel at the end and what and what you did for them. I love your story about your uh, brother. I don't love the fact that he, you know, left us way too early. Uh, but it made me think of my uh, grandfather, same situation. I, there was all these people that wanted to talk about him. He was a, a Boy Scout, you know, leader, a troop leader. And I mean, all these people. And I just remember my father, I think it really impacted him because he didn't realize how many people his dad had had impacted, you know, and maybe a little bit he was maybe kind of jealous about maybe I didn't like engage in my dad the way other people, I didn't get to see him that way, you know, cause it's, it's a different relationship, you know, when you're a, a mentor, right. Versus a father, but you, but you, but I hope, right. I, I just looked at it like, cause my son was, he was two at the time. I was like, okay, how do I make sure that doesn't happen? Right. I don't, I don't want that. I don't want all these other people to come to my funeral and my son or my daughter sit there and say, where was dad for us? You know? Uh, yeah. So just make sure that you're, you know, doing it right. You know, because you don't get those uh, chances back and you just never know when the last time is that you're going to, you know, be able to say to somebody how much they impacted you or just be nice to them or help them out instead of, you know, I try to, I'm, I'm working on being curious rather than, corrective right or, or uh, critical I just, I just it's just something that i i need to work on because i don't want to i don't want people to think that i'm just always judging them i want i want them to to know that i do care uh 
about about their uh, successes. So I love it. Well, and when I think about that too, sometimes like I try to, <laughs> when you say corrective, and so this maybe won't sound as great as it sounds in my head right now, but um, when we're working on a problem at, you know, with my team, what we'll hear sometimes is, well, the college decided. Mm. And so I have to, you know, we always come back to, but we are the college, the legacy of the, of the institution, right? The four walls. I, I was, I was doing a session on trust last week. And I, I said, you know, people always revert to when they want to blame somebody like the college said, <laughs> I'm like the four, the, the concrete walls don't get to make decisions. They don't do anything. Right. right? <laughs> so the legacy of our college and the, and the <laughs> impact we have on our community comes from every one of us and the interactions we have, whether it's an interaction inside, it's an interaction with a student, it's an interactive interaction with a business partner. It's when we're in the local community at the fall festival and we're talking about, you know, people say, well, what do you do? Where do you work? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and how we talk about those things. And I think when we start talking about legacy, to me, it really comes down to how do people talk about what you did or how you made them feel. And when I go back to thinking about my brother's funeral, I came back thinking, I think what people are going to say about me is that I worked really hard and really long hours. And that has no significance to anyone. Right. And yeah. so I really had to like, for me, that was a significant shift in life purpose and in mindset and, um, and how I went about the things I did every day. Um, and really thinking about that, that's what I self-reflect on every day is what would people say about what it was like working in our organization today? Would they say it was purpose-driven? Would they say it was impactful? Or was it just work? Like I used to joke around that said work isn't supposed to be fun. That's why they call it work. Um, but I really don't believe that anymore. And right, work should be purposeful and we should derive energy from it. And we should mm -hmm. feel like we made a difference every day, no matter what we're doing. Um, but that takes significant intent. Um, and that's why I love this chapter on legacy because it it really shifts our focus about being very intentional about our legacy. Yeah, I love it. Jennifer, well, anything one, finish up? Yeah, go yeah ahead. one last thing, you know, I, well, I worked, you know, in banking before. Mm -hmm. uh, embarked <laughs> or fell into got led to education um and then even the leader you know that I had at the school initially I mean before me guys I look back on you know the people I worked for and I'm like I was disappointed in them I was disappointed I didn't get opportunities I was disappointed that I didn't feel like anybody saw me and what I could bring to the organization. Um, it, just the way things were managed, it didn't seem to be for the best for the employees. So, you know, when I got the opportunity to be assistant principal and then principal, I was like, I don't want to be like any of those people <laughs> that I've worked with before. I want to be the total opposite. I, I want to take care of everybody and I want to be a good leader. So you do, you learn from the the bad legacies of other people. Yep. That's that, no, you're so right. And then sometimes you go back when you get in those roles, you go, oh, okay, now I get what they were trying to do. It's just not how I would have handled it, right? Yeah. Listen, if anybody's ever received an email from uh, Jennifer, they know that her email signature says here to serve. And, and, and she does, she's a servant leader. I'm so blessed to uh, uh, be, you know, colleagues and 
and learned from you and friends with you for over the last uh, decade now. And I can't wait for the next uh, 10 years. So that's our challenge to everybody, right? Is you can live out your legacy every day. You don't need to wait five years to start. Just do it tomorrow and start by just saying, how do you, how do you want to be remembered? Like, what are some things you need to start changing in your life? You know, uh, who you spend time with, where you spend time, what you do with that time. Um, you know, there's that quote that I read this year and boy, did it slap me in the face. And it said, no one that you work with or work for is going to remember the email that you answered after hours or during vacation, but your kids will. Mm -hmm. Right. And Absolutely. so as educators out there, it's, it's okay. You don't have to answer every email. You don't have to respond after five o'clock or whatever time you decide to shut down, but you do have to have a time to shut down mm -hmm. uh, because you know, you only get one shot. I just, it wasn't it in the book. It was, uh, it was that, uh, life is like your first parachute jump, right? Or there's no, there's no second tries, your first parachute jump, something to that effect. Yeah, you don't, you only get one shot on this beautiful blue earth and just live it every day and love it every day. Man, I love waking up at 419 every day the alarm goes off. I just, I just, I'm just so excited to get up and see people and um, have the opportunity to to grow people and and to learn from people like you, uh, Joanne, uh, who just you know joined us this year, so so excited and uh, you know Jennifer. So if you're part of the leadership study or you have the Twenty One Laws book, at the back of the book there is a um, there's there's a uh, an assessment, a leadership assessment. So if you're part of the study, we uh, started this uh, journey twenty weeks ago, and I said, hey, take the assessment. And then when we were about halfway through, I said, hey, look at it again and see kind of how you're growing. And so I love, you know, because the first time I read this book was 2014 and I looked at my scores, you know, uh, compared to now, I said, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't a very good like assessor of where I was as a leader because I really had no clue. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I just happened to notice that my three lowest scores are still really around growing people and being relational. And, and so it's either, you know, maybe I'm being a little extra hard on myself, whatever it is. But hey, go through your leadership assessment, see where you may have made some adjustments over these uh, 20 weeks, um, and then just create a plan. So if you're you know, listening to this in the next week, that's you know, Christmas time, you got a great opportunity to uh, engage in you know, family and you know, close friends, and then you start the new year, and those first 90 days, you know, what, what will you start to do differently uh, one day at a time, right? And then how will you measure that week by week? What would what would success start to look like? And um, go back and read this book. I mean, you know, you can read this book pretty easy in a week. Look at the, if you haven't taken the time, every, at the end of every chapter, there's three exercises. Do them. Like, don't just read the book. Don't just consume content. Like, apply and evaluate right? And then teach other people what you're learning. And that's really going to take you to the next level is when you start to, uh, you know, uh, become a practitioner and evaluate a reflective practitioner educators, right? Reflective practitioner and really look, okay, where's this showing up in my life? And, and, and am I getting the results that I want? And what role do I have in this problem? Those are, I ask myself, those are questions every day, like, you know, how's this showing up? You know, what role did you have in this problem? Like, stop uh, complaining about it. Just like find out what was your fault and fix it. 
And as you do that, you'll see your leadership growth. And um, I'm telling you, you will accelerate to endless bounds. So last words, uh, uh, Joanne, where do we find you? If we want to reach out, you know, to you, I know you're in Wisconsin, but what's, what's, you know, what's, you know, one thing we could do to reach out to, to have you help us? Well, my favorite thing is to follow my blog, um, my Lessons in Leadership blog at hallway-consulting.com. Um, that's the best way um, because I think I'm just trying to share leadership lessons for everyday life. I love it. I love it. We'll make sure we put that link in there. And uh, Jennifer, is there a way we can uh, get a hold of you if we really love something you said or what are some good good next steps I could take? Well, I mean, I can always be reached through my email at the school. It's jennifer.killen at pccharter.org. Yeah, and I'll make sure I put that link in there too. And uh, Jennifer leads one of the, well, one, it's one of the, it's it's one of the largest organizations in Gaston County, right? It has to be now. I mean, with as many human beings as you guys serve, you know, between your students and your staff and you're a large employer. But if you really want to learn about, so there's there's three things. I think if I was going to learn from Jennifer, but be about these three things. One is how to advance myself in my own career. I think because you were a uh, woman of the year, right? In uh, Gaston County, right? Wasn't that the, was that person the person of the year a couple of years ago? Yeah, that's okay. But you won and you're acknowledging. That's a humbling thing. It's a, <laughs> but, you've, but you've grown from, you worked at a bank to being a substitute teacher, to a teacher, to a principal, and now to a, a very successful executive director. And you're doing so many other great things in the world. Uh, but also how to intentionally grow others. I think that's one of the things I learned from you, you know, the most is growth is important. But what's most important is that there's some sort of like measurables around it to make sure we are uh, growing. And I'd say the third one is you're pretty good at handling a crisis. I've 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 seen some uh, situations that were tough that you that you leaned in and you got brave and you made it happen. So those would be three things I think. If I was going to be mentored by you, I think that's what I would reach for. So I love it. So well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you both for taking the time with me uh, as part of the study and 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 this podcast and all those pieces. And everybody out there have an incredible holiday season. Uh, be intentional. Uh, put the books down, like 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 the workbooks down and engage with your family. Uh, during this time. This is what this time is for. It's to it's to have that downtime, reflect, and uh, renew so you can start the year. So, all right. Love you all. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.